Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome to Thread, Season 3, Episode 11. Thread is God's Word, tying together all the pieces of your life as a person in ministry. It's a gathering place for believers who've committed themselves to God's ministry, whether it's in a formal or an informal sense. We want our lives to matter and for God to use us to help other people. Well, in Season 3, we're moving through 2 Corinthians, which is the book about the ministry. And today's thread covers chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, and the topic, why followers of Jesus must necessarily be a bit weird. There's a unique perspective that's in the heart of every true follower of Jesus, and it will always keep us out of step with the culture of those around us. You know, I'm coming to you today from uh, Oregon. I'm in Portland. And uh, we've been in the USA for a couple of months recently, moving around. And we've gotten a bit hooked on the TV show Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines from Waco, Texas. The heart of this show uh, is Joanna's ability to see what does not yet exist. And then she goes about designing a path by which Chip and company cause it to come to pass. And it's just so cool to watch, you know, the transformation of some of these houses. But also, I I like watching the interaction with the couples, because every now and then there's a couple that just can't see it. You know, they get focused on, on what that tired old house or barn or even houseboat is right now. And that's all they can see, and that's... That's the focus. And I mean, in some of these houses, gee whiz, you know, there's, they're so damaged. They've got animals living in them that have ripped out part of it. And they're going to have to tear down the walls. And there's not going to be a whole lot left of this house because it is in such bad shape. Or how dated the homes are or how low their ceilings are. And you just look and think, ah, just start over. You know, why would you put any more money into this house? But... The show teaches us we can have faith in Joanna's vision and in Chip's ability to make a drawing become a real thing. And uh, one episode I especially loved was one where this couple drove up to a property that had a house that really needed help. But all they could see was the magnificent tree in the front yard and the way the house was sitting up on a rise. You know, and they both, this husband and the wife, They entered into a shared imagination and they could see their children happy there and playing with their friends. And because of the vision they both got and shared in their minds, they were sold. You know, they caught vision of it, not just a hope, but the surety of what the future would be for them if they chose this place and if they put 100% confidence and Chip and Joanna just to make it a cool place to live. Well, you know, that this is really unusual in the world. I mean, on TV, it's their show, and those two never seem to screw it up. So it's easy to trust them. But when we approach our life this way, it's a very unique situation because the world does not have this kind of confidence. It's like you get totally focused on the mess that is life many times, and it's going on all around you, and you're trying to juggle uh, you know, children and sometimes a very demanding child, 
and the need to make a living and even to build a career that's meaningful. And sometimes you, your work situation is just not, it's not healthy. You know, you might be working for a person that's, that's just not right. And they're calling you at three o'clock in the morning with their latest ideas or they're, you know, they're bawling you out for this or that. And it, it just tears you, it tears you down. It's so easy, you know, to focus on that or, you know, the, uh, the curveball that life throws you every now and then, because none of us plan for bad things to happen to us, but your life will show you over the course of it that some things are going to happen to you that will just come out of nowhere and you have no control whatsoever over these things. And when you look at them, if you focus on these things and if you, you know, like it's kind of like happiness. If you focus on becoming happy, you're probably going to have a hard time with it because that's kind of not how happiness works. You do other things and you deal with your problems and you, you know, you change your attitude and then you just realize one day, man, I'm really happy. And your friends say, you're so different. Uh, but, you know, focusing on being happy won't won't help you get there. And that's kind of what this what this lesson is about. It's about life as a fixer upper and about whether you can just look at the mess of it sometimes. And you know, I've been a pastor for over 20 years and pastors get to hear one of the really cool things about being a pastor if you're a, you know, pastoral kind and not try to just be a CEO of this religion business. Or, as I heard one pastor say recently, he is an events coordinator. And God, I would hate to think that's what my ministry was. Um, but it's because the Sunday show has gotten to be such a big deal. But if you're pastoral and you really do care about other people's lives, you get your life tangled up with their life. And then you end up living all these lives because everybody brings you their, they bring you their real life slice, you know. And you go through, I've been through the death of people's children with them, through uh, suddenly one spouse revealing to the other one their infidelity, or even worse, you having to catch them. And there's that whole long season of suspicion where you don't want to believe it and you're trying to give them a break you know, in your mind and not accuse them unfairly. And maybe they start playing mind games and they try to hide and uh, you get all that. And then you got... Uh, business reversals where it, you were just like you went from hero to zero in about a year or where your own friends that you were in business with suddenly turn out to just be willing to do absolutely anything uh, to get control of your business. Uh, I knew a man whose wife tried to have him arrested by the police for tax evasion so she could get control of his company. And it's just like all these lives, and I'm living all of them without actually having to go into them. So life can just, you know, life can be a major fixer-upper. And it, you know, a believer is somebody that that sees that, you know, like Chip and Joanna don't screw up those situations. God doesn't screw up either. That I can, I can give my life to God, and I can understand that some of these strange things that happen in my life... I, I won't have any control of them, but I have to trust that God knows what to do about this. He is able to take this mess and flip it into something well, even more. God is working in the mess. The mess is part of the plan, and the pain is part of the plan. 
And, uh, you know, I'm able to, I made it, I'm able to get through this situation because I have a solid belief that this is just a season of pain and that it's going to roll and that I have a solid belief that my life is controlled by God and it is directed by God into positive outcomes. And in order to do that, we have to take willful control of our focus. Um, and in order to do that, we've got God's word and thank God we have our, we have his word to, to guide us in these things. And I can't blame the world for thinking that this is a little bit weird, a little, you know, Pollyanna as we, as we look at situations and we just kind of seem to be ignoring how serious they are, but we see life differently. Well, let's just, uh, let's just read the passage. It's such a great passage. First Corinthians, sorry, second Corinthians four, verse 16 through 18. It's just three verses. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So let's go through this a verse at a time. Verse 16 starts off with that word again, therefore. And we always want to know what's the therefore, therefore. Um, therefore, and if you read backwards all the way up through chapter 4, you get this. Because God has chosen us to be his vessels and because God is working through us despite our weaknesses and because we have been handed the gospel and the power of the gospel and because we are living in the kingdom and we are in the ministry releasing the kingdom into the lives of others and because all that is so awesome we do not lose heart and that word remember lose heart means to like you're carrying uh this last two weeks i've been uh, clearing out storage containers and just like heavy physical work. And sometimes you're carrying a sofa or something really heavy. And to lose heart means at some point, and there are always these moments where you feel like, I don't know if I can hold this much longer, but you got to, because if you let it go, your, your partner is going to have to bear a hundred percent of the load. So Paul says, therefore, because God is in charge of this and it's good and it's, it's good things are already happening and more good things are coming through it. We don't drop our end of the load. We don't lose heart. Then he acknowledges it. He says, even though our outward man, your physical body, is perishing, you know, it's perishable. It is wearing out. And we'll talk more about that uh, in the next episode of Threat. Even though the outward man is wearing out, the inward man is being renewed Day by day. That's an amazing idea. That God is restoring our soul every day. You don't get your body restored every day. I mean, sleep is good for us and, it, and rest is important. But it really doesn't take you back to zero. You know, It's just repairing the damage so you can go another day. 
But your soul is not like that. The inward man is being made brand new, if you read the verse. The inward man is being made brand new every single day. Refresh, reset, reboot, refilled. Then verse 17, Paul says, For our light affliction, and right there I want to go, What? Paul? This is Paul with a scarred, gnarly body. He has scars all over him from being beaten repeatedly, Uh, With the lash and the cane, he's got uh, scars on his head from where it's been crushed by rocks. Uh, They said his eyesight was was hard, was not great, and he had an oozing condition out of his eyes. You know, and he's he got all this stuff, and he's disowned by his whole family and friendship circle. Not all of his family, but he's got family and friends that have disowned him because he's become a Christian, and all this stuff. And Paul goes. "Ah." It's light affliction. <laughs> it's light. And it only lasts a minute, you know. But it's working for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. This this hardship stuff, it's powerful in what it does in my life. Sherry and I have a friend named Deidre. And Deidre has, has been through so many things in her life that even one of them, a lot of people would you know, use it as their excuse for why they... Why they can't do anything with their life. So, but with Deidre, she's just like this bubbly person. She'll get talking and it's like, oh yeah. And then there was the car wreck. And you go, you, you had a car wreck? Uh-huh. My leg is like metal filled. And I had, I had to learn to move around again. I was totally smashed up. It took multiple surgeries to, to just get me moving. And I still have pain. I still have, you know, I, it's been decades and I still deal with the pain of it every day. Oh, well, I, I, you know, I didn't even know that. She's just cruising on through life. And then there was my little bout with cancer. What? You had cancer too. And she's got this quote. She says, ah, it's just my body. You know, it's just my body. It's a light affliction. It's a light affliction in my temporary situation of being in this body. I'm more than that. You see a mature, we're weird. That's what I'm saying. We don't see it the way the world does. And we don't, how every time something bad happens to us, we're not supposed to sit back and say, and that's why I'm exempt from life for the rest of it. Because look at what I just went through. Paul says, light affliction, keep moving. You know, it only lasts a minute. It only lasts a minute. A car wreck. I've been in car wrecks. I've been in serious car wrecks. And they don't even take a minute. They take a second. And the whole thing is done. Even the pain, You, at least with me, I didn't feel much. Uh, and I felt much two days later when my body started swelling and trying to deal with it. But the moment of the thing, it was over pretty quickly. And Paul says it's light affliction. It only takes a moment and it's part of the plan. You know, it's the carving, it's the carving knife. If we're a clay sculpture, it's the putty knife that is carving away everything that should not be there. And the pain is where some of our very best stuff is I was talking to a friend just yesterday, uh, and uh, we were talking about a business venture that he got into, and he had to go all in to make it happen. And when he did it, it did not succeed, and so it was a disaster. And when I, you know, I saw him uh, a year ago, and he really didn't look good physically. And I saw him the other day, and he looked much improved. And uh, I was talking to him, and I just felt to say, you know, you realize you needed to go through that. I don't know why you needed to go through that, but your best stuff is going to come in the future. 
out of the pain points of your life. And this one is such a serious, raw pain point. This is going to be very valuable to you in the future. And he said, I already see it. You know, I already see it. A mature disciple honestly believes in the depth of her core. All this trouble is taking me someplace good. It never lasts. Tough times never last. Tough people do. Uh, this pain never lasts. It's always just a season. And then you move on through it. And the Father is in charge of these things. And once they've achieved their purpose, this challenge, you know, there's like a bell rings in heaven. It's like, oh, challenge over. Finished. Go to the next level. And I'm done with this one. It's going to move on. Nobody gets into hardship that just stays there forever. It hits you and it lifts. It hits you and it lifts. And the world can't understand this. You know, it looks like we're being dreamy, ridiculously optimistic, you know, going through life like children. And really, if you don't know the father, if you're his enemy and not his friend, if you've not been adopted into his family, if in your heart you're at war with him, then there really is no reason for you to see things in the light of his sovereignty because you're an outsider to grace. And all these promises that apply to God's children to every one of God's children, they don't apply to you. So it's okay. Be Have whatever attitude you want to have. Wonderful thing is God has the welcome mat out. And he says, you can come home. You can come home at any time. You can stop this war with me and I will receive you. You know, you, the world is on an entirely different track. It's got a different mindset. And we can't let that mindset get inside of us. You know, it's like so many rap songs. It's just about bling and I got a big gold chain. And I got a big wad of money and I got a big flash car. And I, I listen to them and I just think, man, you're like a moral kindergartner. That, you know, look how big my this is. Look how strong that is. Look how much money this costs. That is such a juvenile way to look at the world. But the world is pretty much there. It strives for these things. And it judges a person by the things as immature as shoes, expensive clothes, luxury cars, titles, the beauty of your face, the perfection of your body. They not only want these things, they stare at these things. They fix their eyes on these things. They crave these things. And it makes them strange to us, and it makes us strange to them. But we're strange because we've been exposed to a truth. You know, it's again like that great Bible story, The Matrix. You know, the spiritual blindness of our eyes has been healed. We have seen the truth of things. And if we're healthy spiritually, and sadly not all believers are healthy, but if we are healthy spiritually, we are now staring at a new prize for our life. Our eyes are fastened on it, and we are walking and we are running at a vision of the real thing that is coming to those who seek this thing with all their heart. The kingdom of God. The real kingdom of God. An entirely new plane of living built on a higher set of values with a higher set of rewards than anything this world can give you. Because you know, as soon as you build your nice house, it starts to deteriorate. As soon as you, uh, you know, as soon as you build those muscles, 
they began to atrophy. If you don't do it again tomorrow, do it again two days later. Look at verse 18. Paul says, we do not look at things which are seen. And that word look means to stare. You know, we do not stare longingly at things which are seen. We look at the things which are not seen. Yet, these things are just as real. And these things are coming to be seen in time. They will be visible things. Paul goes on to say, things which are seen are temporary. But things which are not seen are eternal. And this this uh, kicks into what in theology we call the two-age motif. Uh, the idea that the world began and there is a thing that is the old age. It is the first age. It is the age that was spoiled in at the end of creation. God made a perfect world. And this, even in this age, you have some really beautiful stuff in there uh, because it was created by our good God. But the, the first age has been undermined by the moral rot at the heart of the human race. And we are slowly destroying our own world. We're destroying it socially, one relationship at a time. We're destroying it, you know, socially through uh, our breakdown in the family, breakdown in trust, uh, racial hatred, uh, international struggles and battles between ethnic groups. We are tearing our world apart socially. We are tearing it apart politically. We are tearing it apart ecologically. And that's the truth about the old age. It is... It has been undermined and it is being driven now by the Lord of Darkness. And it's being taken in a, into a disastrous ending. And it is, uh, there are humans at the, at the helm of our history now. And they are driving our nations and they're driving our societies just right off the track. And that's the truth. But, but we all live here. At least we have one foot here. We live in this fallen world. We earn our living here and we raise our family here. However, through Jesus, there is a new world here also. It is every bit as real as the old world is. That This physical world that's all around me right now, that's a real world. But the kingdom is just as real. And this is really important because it's a core belief. And it fuels gospel ministry because the kingdom's not a pie in the sky someday. What Jesus accomplished by coming to earth was to force an overlap between the age to come in which all things are created new again and it's all perfect. He forced an overlap of those two ages so that now he brought, in a sense, heaven, which is God's space, and earth, which is our messed up space that we ruined. Heaven and earth now overlap. There, there are places where heaven and earth touch again. And everything about the will of God that is done in heaven is done on earth as it is in heaven. It isn't done across the planet, but it's done wherever the kingdom has taken hold in a place. And this is a real world. And this is the thing that is ministry is we are working on the kingdom side of this equation. Jesus brought the kingdom. He left it here. He planted it. It is real. It's as real as a physical world. It produces change in the life in the lives of other people and in our own lives. This overlap, it's a, like one big hot spot where God's presence breaks in. 
but he only does it in the present. So you have to be very mindful of the present. God is eternally in the present. He's not in the past. He's not in the future. He lives in the now. This moment right now while you're listening to this. God is alive with you. He is present with you in this moment. And that's what his name means. I am. He lives eternally in the present. And I think the present is a tiny slice of eternity that we can both inhabit even right now. I am in this little slice of eternity that follows me around. And God is in here with me. And in this present moment, anything can happen. God's presence is here. It's a real place. It's not yet visible, but God is living in this present place. And he is working through his human agents. And you, you can't see this work directly, but it's evident the same way wind is. I mean, I'm, I can look outside and I can see wind moving trees and moving bushes. I can't see the wind, but it is there. And I prove it's there by what it's doing in the life of the bush and the tree. And the same thing is the way God's doing his work in the kingdom these days. If you want to be used by God as his agent, you need to believe in the kingdom in this world. And you need to learn to fill. I, I'm trying to walk in this. You need to learn to fill the present moment with your fullest attention. That's not just a Buddhist concept. This is a Bible concept, as many of the concepts that are in. You know, there's truth in all religions. It's just one set of God's truth. And then there are distortions in our religions. We could talk about that another time. But this, this concept that in this present moment, this is really the only life I ever get. But in this present moment, everything is possible and God is sovereign. In my future, is God sovereign? Well, the future doesn't exist. The future is just a concept of me thinking of my present tomorrow, you know. Uh, is God present in my past? Well, my past doesn't exist. Even my memory of the, my past doesn't really exist. It's not accurate. We recreate our memories every time we draw them up. Where God is and where you are and where I am is in the present. We are in the present moment. And Paul says, look again at verse 18. We do not focus on the things which are seen around us, but we fix our eyes on these things which are not seen. For the things which are seen, they're just temporary. But the things which are not seen, they are eternal. And that, dear friend, is why we must be a little bit weird as we live in this world. Philip's translation says, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. That's in Romans. And Jesus told us that walking in step with him would necessarily put us out of step and out of direction with the people of this age, even people in our own families, and that we had to make a choice to be loyal to him and to go all in, regardless of any loss of popularity that we might experience in our social world. But if you'll do it, all the good stuff, the magic of the kingdom, it's all found on the other side of that wall of decision. So make that decision enter fully into a kingdom mindset and learn to see the truth about this world and to experience a measure of the world to come. So today we present our bodies as a living sacrifice and even though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed by God's Spirit. 
day by day because the things which are not seen are eternal. My friend, that's all for now. If you're enjoying Thread, how about sharing the podcast with your friends using the buttons in the player on your screen? And check out the free course on finding the will of God for your life. Now, we're offering that right now on MediaLightOnline.com. That's Media, L-I-G-H-T, Online.com. Get your free course, Finding the Will of God for Your Life. We're offering that course right now. You can go there and start it today. This week, expect God to use you. You're the light of the world. So shine on.